Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. I'm excited to be kicking off a new series that we're calling No Signal Found. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a season of life or maybe you've just never really been around church and this really isn't your thing, uh, but you're new here. I'm glad that you're here. But really what this series is all about is hearing from God. What does God's voice sound like? How does he give direction in 2019? How can I decide what college to go to? How can I decide where to apply? How can I decide what I'm going to do with my life in 2019 And does God say it in this book right here? Well, we're going to be in John 10. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, that's where we're going to be in John 10. Um, Have you ever had um, uh, something that you found out about yourself and you immediately become like ultra uh, self-aware of it to where it starts popping up all over the place and you're convinced like, man, everybody can see it now. It's not just me. Um, I remember a couple years ago, um, I I realized that around quiet people, like in new interactions, um, I, like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm an extrovert, I like to talk to people, um, but when I like talk to somebody, and, and I think sometimes I can be like, a, like a, an excited dog around some people, and they, they don't like dogs, so they freak out. Um, but sometimes I'll like go up to people, and I'm like, hey, how's it going, my name's Jared? And I like, I just I get so excited, and they just kinda go, nice to meet you. And I realize that I freaked them out, um, and, and this is one of the flaws that I found about myself is not that I, I freak them out. I can deal with that. I freak people out almost all the time. What, what is really awful is that when that happens, I, like, I don't know how to bridle myself and to stop that. Like, I'm, I'm convinced like, oh, I need to kick it into overgear so that they and me connect. Maybe they just didn't hear that joke that I tried to tell. So I'm going to say it a little louder and get a little closer to them and get in their face a little bit more, okay? Let me just tell you that doesn't work. Um, I freaked my, my fair share of people out. Um, but there, there are a handful of people that like, they're just quiet people and that's great. The world needs quiet people to balance out people like myself. But are those people, I'd like, I, I would like be afraid of them because I just like don't know how to interact and I'm, I would leave interactions and be like, yeah, I don't think that dude likes me. And Tyler, my wife would be like, why, why don't you think that they like you? Well, like, I, I don't know. I like tried to tell him a joke. I like talked to him for like three minutes but they didn't, they didn't say any words. And she's like, well, that, they're just quiet. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't give me anything to go off of, so they must not like me. So I'm like trying, I'm giving them everything I got. I'm like getting there, I'm like, you, you, gotta, you gotta give me something to go off of, but like I'm getting crickets and I'm, I'm jumping into overdrive to figure out how to talk to them even more and it freaks me out. Um, it was probably at its worst with a, a history professor that I had uh, at the school I went to in St. Louis that, that I was just convinced, like, this lady just doesn't like me. She just doesn't like me. That's all there is to it. But I, I kept trying, and I kept trying, and I kept trying until I think she really didn't like me. Um, and I, I really think that she was probably the only professor I ever had that didn't like me. And I've got a couple stories about her that are, are for another day. But I remember just, like, going to class and being so beaten down because, like, I'm going to give it everything I got. And she'd just look at me. And that's all I could get from her. And it like eroded my soul every time I was around her because she just wouldn't reciprocate anything. Um, And that's to me, it may not be to you, but to me, that's what silence in relationship does sometimes. Silence in relationship is tough. Because even in conversation, like when we're talking to somebody and everything's going good and they go silent, like 
your satellite goes out. Like, what's going on? Like, why did they just get silent? Why, why in the world we were talking, everything was going fine, and they shut down? Silence doesn't feel good. Like, it happens in, in like, school and in work. Like, if you are emailing somebody about something, you ask a question, and they don't email back, you're like, ah, did, did I say something wrong? I'll go back and read that again and make sure I didn't accidentally say something I shouldn't have. Or like, uh, you ever have that group project with that person that like, you get you and someone you know, and you're like, all right, I'm gonna be good. And the third person you get's like, yeah, he's come here once, so good luck getting a hold of him. Just MIA, doesn't show up, uh, and then shows up the day before your presentation's due, and they're like, okay, now what concepts do we need to, uh, this is for math, the counting, close, it's really close, um, that you have to do a presentation with that you're like, they, they weren't even here, they don't know the concepts. How in the world, silence hurts in things like that. Um, I have a friend who has been applying for jobs. He just graduated, and he's been applying for jobs, and he went to a job fair, and he met these people, and he thought, man, man I've got a good resume. He told me he was the only one at the job fair that wore a suit. He was like, I got it. I think, I, I think I'm in. And uh, he said, I applied on Friday. They should let everybody know by Tuesday. I think I'm in. Well, Tuesday rolls, rolls around. He doesn't hear anything. Wednesday rolls around, Thursday, Friday. It's been a week since he's talked to him. They said they would talk to him on Tuesday. They never have. He closed the door, figured it wasn't there. Well, good news is he's working for them now, and that's great. But it doesn't feel good, does it? That silence in relationship feels terrible. Well, those are just some constructs that we see silence in. Well, what about relationship? That you're talking to someone and they go silent. What does that feel like? Not good. It doesn't Feel good when someone goes silent. When, you're, when you've called someone and left them a voicemail, hey, give me a quick call back, and they never call you back, it's not a good feeling. When you text somebody and they don't text you back, like, I see that you read it, you left me on read. What, like, what are you gonna do, man? I'm gonna see you at some point. We're gonna talk about this. It's gonna happen. But it's more than that. It's more than just a relationship thing, that it doesn't feel good. In relationship, when we have these things where we go silent in communication or one party goes silent in communication, and really if it's been like that for a while, that maybe you have a, a, a relationship that you feel like you have given it your all and they haven't given anything back, what does that feel like? It feels shallow. It feels hollow. It feels like you've done everything that you can and they're not trying anything at all, whether that's perceived or real, it doesn't feel good. And really, it doesn't matter how many attempts that you've given, it doesn't feel good if you've reached out and they haven't talked to you back. It doesn't feel good. But it's not just true in relationships. Silence is bad in crisis. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where you're like uh, driving your car, you hear a funny noise, your car breaks down. Like my greatest fear is that I like, won't have the tools that I need and I, my, my cell phone's dead, right? Like silence and crisis is one of the most terrifying things I think you can ever have. But it's not just your car breaking down. I mean, there are legitimate things that happen in our lives that, man, you might be here and you might just be grasping at life right now. That you might be at a place where you're just like, man, I'm just hanging on. Like, I'm just happy to just be upright right now. And that's not a bad place to be. I'm glad that you're here. This is the right place for you if that's you. But you need some help. You need someone in the moment of your crisis to show up for you. And maybe it's not crisis. Maybe you wouldn't label it as crisis. Maybe it's just a new season. Maybe you just graduated and you're like, this is my first fall without going to school. I don't know how to handle that. This is different. I, I need somebody to reach out. It's different. All my friends are in classes and I'm not. Maybe this is your first time this is your first time in, in classes for the first time, that you're a freshman and you're going, man, I, this is all new to me. I don't have the same support system that I had. 
And it's different. And it doesn't feel good whenever you're in crisis, whenever you're in transition, and all you get is crickets, is silence on the other end of things. It doesn't feel good. And I, I think about um, a, a friend that I, I, I talked to earlier this week that said the, one of the people that he remembers most is someone that was just there for him whenever he broke up with his girlfriend, that sat in a parking lot with him at midnight and listened to him just say everything that happened for two hours. That silence in relationships, silence in emails, silence in crisis, none of it feels good. So I think sometimes we look at, at, at these situations and we see God in the middle of them and we go, I haven't heard from God in a while. I'm in a spiritual rut. I've been trying to do all the things that I think I know to do and it doesn't seem like God has given me anything new. Man, I'm in a season that's brand new to me and I haven't heard anything from God in a while and it's rough. Maybe you're going through something that you never thought that you would go through, and it seems like God hasn't said anything to you, that you've been scouring God's word and you haven't seen what he has to say about your specific situation yet. Silence, it can be hurtful. It can be one of the most difficult things we've ever come across. Why? Because silence is, because communication is such a big part of relationship. And what's so cool about what we're getting ready to talk about is that Jesus, that God bridged a gap of silence and miscommunication with us. That the reason that his son Jesus died on the cross is because there was a chasm, because there had been something that happened. Sometimes when there's no communication, when there's silence, that there's a reason for it. And what Jesus did on the cross is he, he bridged that chasm of us to God that sin separated and he restored relationships. Now, one of the cool things about that is that God didn't just restore that relationship and go, all right, see you in heaven when you die. Like, that's not what God did. God wanted to foster a relationship with you through communication, through you knowing his voice. So I'm going to ask the question, how do we discern the voice of God? How do we do it? That's what I want to talk about tonight. That's what the rest of this series is going to be about. But how can we discern God's voice and know that it's God's voice? Because I think there are a lot of things that we hear. There are a lot of voices in our lives. And we have to know if it's God or if it's something else. So we're in John 10. And in John 10, Jesus is telling... Um, an example of, of what he is to the people that follow him. And he's explaining how he is the shepherd and the people that follow him, that believe in him, are like his sheep, like his flock, and he keeps them. And earlier he, he talks about how he is the gate, that he is the one that you have to come through, that there's no way to be a part of God's kingdom without the person of Jesus. So he picks up in John 10, verse 27, and he says this, and this is going to be where we land for almost all of tonight in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep, the people that believe in me, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Hey, can we pray before we really dig into this? God, I love you. I thank you for uh, this group. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are a good shepherd and that you hold us in, in your hand and you know what's best for us. And God, you, you will leave the 99 for the one. And I pray that that's where our hearts would move to. God, we love you. I thank you in your holy name. Amen. So I'm going to read that one more time. He says, my sheep hear my voice 
and I know them, and they follow me. So our points tonight are going to be just those three phrases. There's three phrases in that. And the first one is, my sheep hear my voice. And when we're discerning the voice of God, I, I, listen, I, I've been there. Um, I was raised in church. I was saved as, as a young age. I realized that I was separated from God and I needed him, but I had no idea how to find God's voice. I remember as a kid, I'd have a decision that, I don't know what decisions 11-year-olds were making, but I would read like stories about Gideon. There was a story about Gideon where this guy in the Old Testament was like, God, if you're really telling me to do this, I'm going to set out this bowl, and in this bowl, I'm going to put um, a piece of fabric. And it, if, if it's true, if you really do want me to do this, I want to wake up in the morning and I want the, the dew to make everything wet except for what's in the bowl. And God did it. Crazy. Unbelievable. Well, the next morning he says, God, I just want to make sure. So I want the opposite to happen. I want the fabric to be wet and I want the ground to be dry. And God did it. So what did I do? I took one story from the Bible and was like, surely that's how God communicates, right? That's how God talks to his people. So I remember this is what I did, and this is the silliest thing, but I would set stuff on the edge of my dresser and I would go, God, if you want me to do it, knock it off in the middle of the night. And I would lay down and I would sit and wait. And I would turn my fan on sometimes if I wanted it to happen, you know, I'd try to, try to you know, guide God's hand a little bit. And I'd sit and wait for it to happen because I had no idea how to hear the voice of God. And I remember that plagued me through high school and my first couple years of college because I was convinced that God had one plan for me. And if I took one step off, that he was going to not love me until I got back to where he, I stepped off. And I was convinced that God had this hidden idea, this hidden plan for my life, and if I didn't follow it to a T, that he was upset with me. And I don't find that anywhere in here. Listen to the way that God talks about his sheep, about the people that he loves, the people that he gave his life for. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They know what the voice of their master sounds like. Do you know what the voice of God sounds like? And I'm not asking you like an audible voice. Do you know what God's word says is what I'm asking you. Have you made this the filter of your life? So when you have an idea, when you have something that you want to say to someone and you're not sure which way it's going to go, when you have a decision to make, does it line up with God's word or does it not? Does it follow the way that God has done things throughout the Bible does it follow God's heart to leave the 99 for the one? Does it fit with the Bible? Does it fit with what he asks us to do in the Bible? Do you know God's word? And this idea that my sheep hear my voice is not just like, oh, I heard it. He's listening for it. He's seeking it out. It's different than just hearing it. I have a friend who just got married about a month ago. And uh, he asked me and Kyle Kicker in the office one day, he goes, is it normal that like my wife will say something to me as I'm walking away and expect me to know exactly what she said? And Kyle and I just said, listen, I'm five years in, Kyle's six or seven years in, it's just something that happens. I don't know what it is about a ring on your finger that says you can hear me everywhere that you go in the house, okay? I don't know what it is. But there's a difference between hearing. I know that you said something and listening for it. And you know what the big difference is for me? Posture. You know, like I can tell, even just looking at you all, who's listening. Because I can see 
your posture. I can see your eyes. I can see what you're looking like. That sometimes Tyler and I will have conversations where we're going, you did this? Yeah, okay. You got that handled? Okay, cool. Yep. Okay. All right, sounds good. And I know that those things were heard, but then we come back and go, hey, that's on our calendar. You remember me telling you about that? Hey, I know you did. (laughs) I know it happened. I heard you, but I wasn't seeking you out. That there's a difference in posture of, yeah, I heard you, and I'm listening. What's your posture towards God's word? Are you actively seeking it out? Do you want to hear it more than anything else in your life? Are you making that the loudest voice in your life in God's word? And what are the people around you adding to that? He's talking about sheep here. And the the beauty of sheep is that they have a herd mentality. They see people, other sheep going that way, and they go, I guess this is the way that we go. And they follow other sheep as they follow the master. Are the people around you that you're allowing to point you in a direction, pointing you towards Christ? Are they pointing you in a different direction? What's your posture? Um, I want to read, why? Why is this important? I want to read Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's not an old book that I'm hoping that you memorize because, well, maybe one day it'll help you. No, it's living and active. Read those next words. It says, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, do you feel divided between your own thoughts? Maybe it's just me. (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll be gut honest, and sometimes I hear a voice in my head, and I don't know if it's me, if it's God, or if it's Satan, okay? I don't know. And you know what's gonna help me pierce to the heart of that issue? God's word. It's a double-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul. It's the only thing that's going to help us understand, okay, hold on. I had this thought. I have this way of approaching this relationship. What's going to help me find out what's really, is it God or is it me? It's God's word. The second thing that, that he says in John 10, 27, he says, and I know them. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. He doesn't just expect the sheep to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm God. You should know me. Like God incarnate, Jesus is saying, hey, I know my own sheep. I know them better than anyone That God wants to know you, not by osmosis. Sometimes I can have the mentality of like, God knows everything. What good is me physically telling him with my lips or in my mind through prayer? What good does that do? No, no, God wants you to, he wants to know you by your choice. Not because he knows everything. He wants to know you because of your choice. I remember I was going through something a couple of, about a month ago with some, some family, just some, some crazy stuff that happened, and I was talking to my parents, and I was telling them uh, all this stuff, and I just felt like I kind of cracked open, and everything was just kind of coming out, and I was I don't know what to do. I, I just don't feel like I've got any peace about this. I don't like how this went down, and my, my parents just kind of got quiet. My mom just, she's so wise, and she just goes, did you tell all this to God? And I was like, well, thanks, mom. Great. Let me get off the phone. And I was like, what? Man, but I don't think I can even comprehend the depth and the closeness that God wants to have with me. 
And a lot of times I throw that out the window because, well, God knows everything. No, but he wants my heart to want to tell him everything. And he knows you. He knows you at your deepest. I've got two little boys. I've got Thatcher. He's going to be three in October. And Jet, he just turned one uh, last Friday. And uh, they're so cute. They're so much fun. We've had a bunch of friends that had kids around the same time. Um, But what was incredible was like we would all show up with our car seats. And, you know, if you've got a sleeping kid, they're sacred. You put them in a different room, a broom closet. Wherever they will stay sleeping, you let them sleep. Um, So we would all get together and we'd have three or four kids that we would, you know, tuck in different rooms or whatever. And and I'm I'm so impressed. Uh, My wife is so much better at this than I am that we would hear a cry from across the house and like, my wife's not doing the math to figure out like, okay, I fed him an hour ago. Should mine be hungry yet? I put him in that room. Yeah, that sounds like mine. No, no, no. She hears a cry and she knows it's her child. Why? Because she knows him. And if we can have that sort of intimacy with our son after a year of having him, how much more intimacy does God want and desire with you for knowing you your lifetime, knowing who you'll marry, where you'll end up, what you'll end up doing, that God doesn't fear those questions. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to be close to him. He wants you to desire that closeness with him. That he wants us to know him, to be known by him and tell him. The last thing is, uh, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. I think one of the most important things is that these sheep weren't just part of a group uh, that Jesus was saying, hey, these are my sheep, I leave them there. He was saying, we are going somewhere. That we are supposed to, as believers, as members of his flock, that we go where God is going. That I'm convinced, I'm convinced that Satan gets more wins by marginalizing more Christians because, well, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's going to happen. Ah, maybe, maybe I'll stay here. Maybe. And we end up waffling about so much in our lives. Well, I have a challenge for you. If you want to be swept away with purpose, if you want to be overwhelmed with seeing God move, get on board with what he's doing. It doesn't mean that every question will be answered. It doesn't mean that everything will end up turning up roses. But I think as we go in a direction and our minds are so focused on where God is headed that those details will start to, one, work themselves out, and two, we'll be able to see things clearly because we've seen the direction of our shepherd. We've seen the direction of our master so that when we get, when we get confused and go, is that Something that he wants me to do, we go, no, he's been going this direction for a long time and I've seen it, so that's the direction I'm gonna go to. That he leaves the 99 for the one, that he cares about those who are lost, that he wants to see people come to know him, that he wants to break people's chains of sin in their lives. Get involved with a place that God is moving. Man, I love what's happening here at High Street with young adults and with youth to see that people are being saved. Get on board with it. 
Start doing something. Start serving somewhere. Start to say, I'm going to find my one. I'm just going to tell one person. I'm going to start praying for one person in my life to come to know Christ. And I'm going to expect it. And I'm going to wait and hope that it happens. Why? Because that's where God's heart is headed. And I want to be on board with that. I want to know the real thing so deeply that when something counterfeit comes across, I know exactly what it is. Before I worked at the church, I worked at a bank here in town. And one of the things that they tell you when you're dealing with money is that you don't have to know what a counterfeit feels like. That, that, that doesn't do you any good because they can make them really great and they can make them any number of ways. What they tell you to do is to feel the real thing as much as you possibly can. Why? So that when you're counting money and you come across one that doesn't feel right, you say, hold up. I'm going to count it one more time. And I think that's what God wants in our lives, that we're going to be so headed in a focused direction in our lives that when we're heading so fast, we're following Jesus so closely that when we have an option, man, that, that looks good too, that God goes, is that the real thing or is that something fake? Because we're following Christ so closely. Man, maybe for you, you just need to take one step, one thing right now, something that God's been telling you to do. What does it look like to follow him? What's that one thing? I can't tell you what that might be. Maybe it's a spiritual discipline that God wants to know you and you need to know his word. Maybe it's that, that you need to start in your life. Maybe you need to start hiding God's word in your heart in an intentional way of memorizing a piece of scripture. Maybe you just need a, a moment in every day. Give him what you've got right now. Even if it's five minutes, give him that. See what he does with it. And read your Bible. Give him something, see where he'll take it. Maybe you need to set away some intentional time to set your posture on God. To put your phone in a place that can't be reached and say, God, the next 20 minutes is you. God, the next 30 minutes is only with you. And I'm just gonna tell you what's going on in my life. I'm gonna tell you where my emotions were. I'm gonna tell you where my heart's headed. I'm gonna tell you what I'm thinking and see what God does. Maybe you need to pray for your one. Will you bow your heads?